Good evening. Today is September 20th, 2022, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is the doctor's opinion. And our speaker tonight is Heidi B. Thank you, Heidi B. Thank you. Thanks um, for having me. Um, Heidi B, very grateful recovered uh, for today um, from New York. Um, I guess just to start, just to qualify, um, I came to this program 2003 for the first time after having had weight loss surgery. I came because when I went in for a consultation to have weight loss surgery, I had to see a um, psychiatrist and, and he uh, said that I should, you know, after um, having the consult, which I really tried hard to pretend to be normal for, um, he told me that I should see someone for my emotional aid. Um, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I thought that they were like not gonna let me have the surgery um, if I didn't. So I immediately started going to um, a, uh, a therapist. Um, that therapist referred me to OA. And so that was the first year that I came into program. Um, I was 25 year years old at the time. Um, by the time I had gotten here, I was obviously um, overweight enough to qualify for weight loss surgery. Uh, I thought that I had tried everything. Um, I was convinced that I had and that this was a last resort. Um, but I also did think that it was going to be like the magic pill. That this was like the answer to all of my problems. Um, I very quickly learned that that was not true. And in fact, it became quite a nightmare. Um, and I'll just um, say that this is my experience of not necessarily what other experience. Um, uh, I had a, a lap band place. And what, I, what happened was that um, I didn't stop compulsively overeating and I didn't follow the directions that I was given um, by the doctors. And so food started to get stuck when um, I was eating too fast and I would feel like I was going to die and choke. So I would have to throw up. But then I realized I could throw up. And so for the next year, I purposefully um, binged and purged um, so that I could keep eating. Um, so even after having come into the rooms, my disease got worse. Um, I got down to um, a really low weight, uh, not very low. I wasn't like um, medically low, but it was low for me on my frame such that like my, all my bones were sticking out and stuff, which was something that I've never had before. Um, and, um, and I just became more and more crazy. So when I think about it in retrospect, um, I can say that even though it was a really horrible experience um, having the surgery. Um, it brought me to my knees. And finally, I started to work the program after kind of being involved um, for a while. Um, it did take me a couple of years before I actually worked steps and um, got abstinent um, and you know started work through all the steps and started sponsoring and stuff. But for um, a number of years, I maintained the normal body weight, was abstinence, and felt that I was happy, joyous, and free. Um, 
then I relapsed and that was in 2015, 2015, I think. Um, and I was out of the rooms for six years. Um, and I gained back all the weight that I'd lost and then some. And March, 2021, I went to my doctor and he recommended loss surgery. And I just almost fell out of the, you know, my seat. And I was like, I'm not, no, like I've done that before. And he was like, well, maybe you need to try a different one. Um, and, it, you know, it was just, it was surprising to me for many reasons uh, besides the fact that I was in super denial, but this is a doctor that doesn't like to give pills. Um, you know, he wants you to do everything through diet and exercise and blah, blah, blah. And so the fact that he was recommending surgery meant that he was actually scared for my life. Um, at the end of March, same year, 2021, I finally um, came back to the rooms and um, and I got abstinent. I've been abstinent since then. Um, since last year, I've lost over 130 pounds. Um, but more importantly, um, I have a life again because what uh, was going on for me was that I was literally sitting on my couch, like looking out the window, watching life happening, not being part of it. Um, so, doctor's opinion. <laughs> That's about me. Um, the doctor's opinion tells me, like, tells me what my problem is. And I, I didn't get that the first time around. When I worked the steps the first time, I had done it through OA literature. I didn't want anything to do with the big book. Um, but when I finally became open to the big book, um, the, the first thing that happened is that I, I was reading through it. Um, and on page XXVII, uh, so a Roman page, I, 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 Roman page 28, um, it says if any feel that a psychiatrist directing a hospital for alcoholics, we appear somewhat sentimental, let them stand with us a while on the firing line. See the tragedy is the despairing lives of the little children. And that, um, that grabbed my heart because my father, who was now uh, dead um, from alcoholism, was an alcoholic and for the first time in my entire life um i i spent my whole life blaming him for everything um blaming him and my mother um i i had some like passion for him and i had a, a real like sense of forgiveness um and so that was like the first experience that i had with this chapter um later especially after coming back this second time around because i don't remember i don't remember like reading all the things that i now see in here um it's this chapter tells me first and foremost i you know the reason that they put the chapter in here right is like i have to be entirely abstinent before i can do this work um and that's the like ground zero before i can even like do step one um it says three times, at least three times um, in the book, it says at the bottom of um, XXVI going into the next uh, page, it is imperative that man's brain be clear before he is approached as he has then a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. 
Um, it says again on page, um, just a second. Oh, at the bottom of XXBII, of course, an alcoholic ought to be free from his physical craving for liquor. Um, and then it says at the bottom of um, XXX, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. Um, so over and over, it's telling us that we need to be abstinent in order to work this program. Um, and I, the reason that that was so important in that message was so um, it was groundbreaking at the time was that it just it, it hadn't been thought of that way before. They you know they very much thought of alcoholism as a mental psychological disease, um, and this idea that there was a physical allergy was completely new. Um, I think it's also has been for me. Um, hard to swallow, even though, um, even though it would seem, seemingly, I would expect myself <laughs> to feel some sort of relief that, um, and I think maybe that's, you know, maybe that's part of the reason, right, that they want us um, to know, right, that, that I don't need to blame myself, that I'm not bad, that I'm not weak-willed, but that I actually have a biochemical um, deficiency that causes this reaction when I in, um, ingest certain foods, um, it still took me a really long time to accept that. Um, but it is, it is like, it is good to, not, not just good to know, but like comforting to know that, um, I'm not a bad person. I'm not weak-willed. Um, and those messages that, you know, I spent my entire life, like, beating myself up over. I had, I had plenty of success in other things. I, um, I had a child very early in my life um, who I raised. Um, Ten minutes, Heidi. Thank you. Um, I, you know, finished school. I graduated college. I, um, you know, I had success in work and, you know, I just, I, I basically um, supported my entire family, like my mother and my father and my brother, um, because my mother became disabled. Um, and, you know, and so like, I, I felt like I was doing all these things and like, I was just, you know, why could I do all these things? and not like, why couldn't I just get my, um, myself together with the food um and so this is this is why right um the other thing i was thinking about um i mentioned that my therapist um was the one that recommended me to oa and i was also thinking about my medical doctor who i just mentioned had referred me um for um weight loss surgery my medical doctor I've been working with since I was in the program the first time and I had lost a lot of weight and I was like a huge OA cheerleader. Um, I was like, I was um, working on, um, in the intergroup and was, you know, doing all sorts of service and I wanted to be on the public outreach committee and on all these things. And so I was like trying to give him like pamphlets and, you know, um, 
And he completely shut me down, um, which I found really weird um, because he's, you know, otherwise like a really great guy. You know, he is really like caring and he actually like takes time with you, you know, whatever. I, I like, you know, I really like him um, in every other way. But when I mentioned um, a 12 step program, he like totally shut it down and didn't want to hear about it. Um, on the opposite side of the spectrum, um, my my therapist who had um, recommended OA, um, I've, I'm still also seeing her. And um, she she's just been, she was my Evie. She's just been like the angel in my life. Um, but this second time around when I came back in, um, the reason that I came back in, why I finally like did it was that we were having a session and I was complaining about the same old things that I always complain about week over week. And she had more than once threatened to not continue seeing me because she didn't feel that I was, um, you know, that she was helping me, that she could help me. Um, she said she understood that I you know, felt some benefit from seeing her, but that I needed more help. Um, and so a couple of years ago, I admitted myself to a binge eating disorder uh, facility and I stayed there for, um, for a month. And then I had to leave because um, uh, my insurance wouldn't cover anything more than that. Um, and while I was there, sadly, um, what they tried to do was teach me how to eat ice cream. Um, then... This time around last March, I was having my session with her and we're talking and she just like, at that point I was actually suicidal, um, completely miserable, um, just didn't want to go on at that point. And she just like looked at me and she was like tearful and she just said, I just want to shake you. And her eyes were like welling up and I got emotional and um, she shared with me in that moment that she is uh, in a 12-step program as well. Um, and that that was like the turning point that gave me hope to and um, courage to come back into the rooms because for six years I was like, I don't want it. Like, no, I don't want this God shit to be the answer. Um, even though I had had previous success in the program, it was like totally... Um, not totally erased, but, you know, kind of erased and to the extent that I did it all over again with like the diets and the, um, you know, and everything. And, and so the reason that I, that I was thinking of this is that I, the other like really important thing about this chapter is that, um, Dr. Sof Sofworth really like humbles himself in admitting that he hasn't been able to help alcoholics the way that this program has. He admits that he himself is powerless. And he says that we doctors have realized for a long time that some form of moral psychology was of urgent importance to alcoholics, but its application presented difficulties beyond our conception. Um, you know, and then it goes on to say later. Um, Five minutes, Heidi. Thank you. He says, faced with this problem of the doctor's honest with himself, he must sometimes feel his own inadequacy. Um, and I think, I think, you know, 
I, I just wish that there were more people like Dr. Silkworth in the world, um, you know, who could like be humble enough to say, like, I, I can't help you. I can't help you. Um, and I'm so, so grateful that I had, you know, this therapist come into my life that on more than one occasion said to me, like, you have to do, like, therapy is not enough. Like, you have to do something else. And, and once I had been in the program, um, you know, she, she did encourage me to go back um, because it was the only thing, you know, that she had seen um, that, that it helped me. Um, so I just, you know, I'm just appreciative that, you know, that there are people like that in the world, <laughs> but I just, I do wish that there were more of them. Um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on was just um, the sentiment of Dr. Silkworth, and especially in his second letter. You know, he starts off by saying um, that the subject presented in this book is of paramount importance. And, you know, I looked that up and it, it means first order of importance. Um, and he, you know, he talks, he basically like talks about how you know, he says it's covered in masterly detail. And um, he he talks about like how important it is to the alcoholic unity in general, um, because uh, it's the only thing that has worked. And, you know, from, from his experience and, and he has much of it. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is, um, this idea that was really unheard of as well was that the physical oddity that we have is this phenomenon of craving, which unlike craving the way that we understand it, which occurs before we ingest something, um, this phenomenon of craving starts after we ingest um, the alcoholic food. Um, and Again, like just, you know, just like this, it was just groundbreaking that, you know, that he realized that it was like once you take in the substance, um, that is when you're, you know, that's when the cycle starts. Um, and I have proven that for myself over and over and over again. And, you know, they say that like once you come into OA, like eating is ruined for you. It totally was because those six years that I was in relapse, uh, even though I couldn't stop eating, um, I knew I couldn't stop eating. Two minutes left. Thank you. And I knew why I couldn't stop eating and it pissed me the fuck off. <laughs> um, and, you know, I just, I'll just end with this, you know, I remember right before, like in the time coming up to when I came back into the rooms last March, um, it was a busy season at work and I was ordering from this particular restaurant every night and the food there was very inconsistent and sometimes it was very good and sometimes it was disgusting, but either way, I ate the whole thing um, and I ordered it every day and, um, and it made me sick and I ordered it the next day anyway. Um, and then what I realized is that 
when I, when this order would come in every evening, I would start to open the bag and I was literally salivating before I had even started to eat, which is like just mind blowing. Um, so, you know, it just, I don't know. <laughs> it's just crazy. And, um, you know, and then today, you know, it says once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems they despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily to, able to control the desire for alcohol. And um, you know, thank God for today, that's where I am. Like, just isn't a problem, and I get to live life. So, thanks for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. Please. Thank you. Thank you, Heidi, so much. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. Let's get to this so we can, uh, so I can raise my hand. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, we will now open the meeting for questions or three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. Um, if you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under the reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set the timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow her three minutes for the answer. Okay, so we got the hands going and I see Kelly T is up first. There we go. Hi, Kelly T, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, no question, just wanted to say hi, Heidi. Um, we've talked a lot, but I never got to hear your full story, like, your big grouping all at one time story. So it was great to hear. Um, I actually came into OA as well because of my counselor. Um, I went in to see her for um, PTSD, but it turns out eating was my biggest problem. <laughs> so, and thank God for her because um, she is, one of my guardian angels my next one is my sponsor and then the other one is everybody else in this program so like it saved my life and i'm so happy to be here and i just want to tell you heidi i love you and thank you for sharing and that's it i'll pass thank you thank you thank you um kelly t and uh, it's my turn my name is Wani's N, and I am a compulsive overeater living in recovery for today. And thank you, Heidi. Oh my gosh. You know, when you were sharing, I just thought it was just so apropos when here we are in the doctor's opinion, and you're sharing about your, um, you know, your history with doctors, literal doctors, this day and age. You know what I'm saying? The same, the people that were Dr. Silkworth. You know, the ones who were trying to help people with, with, the, with the eating disorders and the, you know, that couldn't stop eating so much 
you know, I think about, you know, you know, that to where they would die, you know, where we would literally die and how the doctor says, well, let's try another weight loss surgery because yeah, that's all they had. You know, they didn't have the spiritual experience. You know, they didn't have the, they don't have the solution, you know, that is so cool. And that was the doctor's opinion, you know, so these people, you know, I think that these people would probably say the same thing if they could. You know what I'm saying? Like the doctor got to see Bill recover and got to see the miracle and got to see the change. And he's like, hey, you call me sentimental if you want to, but there's a power over here, you know? And I'm seeing this power. You know, I was the one up all night worrying about how, trying to figure out how to help these people and couldn't do it. I was the one who was sitting with these ch children and they're all, you know, messed up and distraught, you know? So call me sentimental, but I see that this thing works. I see that this thing is working and it is powerful. And, and, and then to share that um, the, the, the subject presented in this book. Now, this is the doctor, remember, speaking. This ain't Bill and nobody else. This is the doctor. The subject presented in this book is of paramount importance. What's the subject presented in this book? You better get a God. You better get a power greater than yourself. That is the main purpose of the book of Alcoholics Anonymous is that we find a power greater than ourselves. You, you, and he talking about how it's covered so masterly. You know, this is some good stuff. You know, the doctor's opinion is all of that and more. You know, when he's talking about the power, you need to get a power. Froth the emotional appeal several suffices. It's got to have depth and weight. You know, this is the doctor talking, the same people that you were going to go visit, that you were going to say and help me. And they say, you know, like your doctor could have told you, well, you better get a power grade than yourself because that's what's going to work. You know, it's amazing that he's he was, you know, on board with this, this doctor, Dr. Silkworth. And the last thing I wanted to touch on was um, thinking weight loss was the answer to all my problems. Oh, my God. How many times did I lose all the weight and went to my work in corporate America wondering, okay, how come I ain't got promoted yet? I've been skinny. Mine. Oh, okay. I've been skinny for three months. Where's my promotion? <laughs> you know, this, this was just my off thinking, but that's all. Thanks, guys. I'm sorry. I don't mean. Next, we have Mary M. And I'm going to lower my hand. Mary. Hi, my name is Mary. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm uh this is my first time on this meeting. Um I really uh I loved your share, Heidi. And uh I, I'm really happy to be here tonight. I know um I'm with my people and uh, my story uh is um is is similar with uh the weight loss surgery. I uh I thought that that was the answer. Um, and I continued, it was insane, uh, how many times I ran to the plastic surgery because I couldn't stop eating. Um, and I always thought every single time that that was going to be the last time. And, and then when I finally came in to away, um, I went on a zoom meeting. I didn't know, I, I, I didn't know what I know today. And so that was last year and I was still eating um, 
my red light foods, but I didn't know any better. I wasn't taught. And, and so, um, so then I quit and, um, and then I heard about another, a morning phone meeting. And so I'm, um, I went on that and got a sponsor and then I found out what abstinent really meant. And, and I, um, I related to the doctor's opinion that that's why I couldn't stop eating because I was still eating my red light foods. And, um, and so, you know, desperate people do desperate things. And that's where I was. I was desperate for so many years. Um, like you said, Juanice, to, um, to be thin. I just, um, I wanted to be thin. And so, um, now that I found a higher power, which is not food, um, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm neutral. I feel neutrality. I've had a spiritual awakening. Uh, I've worked the steps and, um, and, you know, it's, it's just a beautiful way to live. And so I don't feel that desperation today. And, and that's so freeing. Um, and, um, and I think that's all I have. Wow, thank you very much, Mary Ann. And next up, we have Faye. Faye. Oh, hi. hi. Can you see me? I don't know. Can you hear me? Can you see me? There we, we go. Hear, hi. Hear, now we can oh, see. Now you can't see me. I don't know how to turn this around. Oh my gosh, guys, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, how's that? Can you see me now? Yes. Yes. Oh, good. So, first of all, Juanice, thank you so much for the meeting. And Heidi, Heidi, oh my gosh. Thank you, thank you for an amazing uh, share. You were my first friend um, in OA this time around. I say this time around because I've been in this program for 32 years. I walked in in 1990, got the concept right away, like, yes, this makes sense. This is who I am. I'm powerless. Uh, once I start, I can't stop. I can't stop myself from starting. That was 32 years ago. I never left the rooms. And today is day 22. So I am a tough nut to crack. I've had 10,000 day 22s. I've had Day eight, day 10, day 90, day one, day seven, day 200, day 360, day four. And so I, I used to call myself the queen of relapse, although I heard someone say on the vision meeting yesterday, maybe you're not the queen of relapse, maybe you're the comeback kid. And um Definitely, I'm tenacious because I know that the stakes here are not fat or thin, not just fat or thin. Um, and that's what I heard in your qualification. The stakes here are really life or death, like, and not just life or death eventually to all the obesity related diseases, which all run in my family also but just death to the day. Do I want to be dead and sick and checked out today? Or do I wanna be alive and part of the world and contributing to the greater good in a meaningful way? And that's what I have an opportunity for. 
here in recovery and I have a new sponsor. I'm getting a new experience and I'm so excited. And the thing that she keeps hammering, hammering home is abstinence is not recovery. Abstinence is not recovery. And I have 32 years of on and off abstinence, but that's not the ism. Thank you for letting me share and for showing me what the ism is and what the solution is, which is God. I love you guys. I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much. We'll pass. Thank you, Faye. Thank you. And my brother, Josh, you're up. Hi, I'm Josh, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I debated on if I was going to share, like I raised my hand three times, <laughs> lowered it. Uh but I felt compelled to share because I went to the doctor today. Ironically, we're talking about the doctor opinion. And I sat there for 30 minutes and listened to a lecture about how this is life or death. And the doctor basically was like, from what I see here, it looks like you're very close to the death end of that. And you've got to start making some changes, which was really hard to hear. And then I went immediately and binged. And then I got caught up in the whole shame trap. So uh, I just wanted to kind of like get on it about that. I talked to my sponsor right before this meeting, um, which I guess that's progress because in the past I would just uh, hole up and not talk to anyone and not go to a meeting and uh, continue that cycle. Um, so I just really wanted to more than anything check in, but I also wanted to ask for some experience, strength and hope on like for someone like me who tends to be a chronic relapser. I've been around OA since 2007 and this is not my first rodeo and I continue to struggle with relapse, but I, I really struggle with overcoming the shame trap around the food behaviors. So I just wanted to get some experience, strength, and hope on how to get through the shame and get into the solution. Um, I, my higher power has been communicating a lot through other people this week. And one of the things that I heard was uh, about self-sabotage. And like that describes me to a T. Like anytime anything positive happens in my life, I tend to self-sabotage. So I just want to stop that. <laughs> I want to change that trend. So anyway, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Josh. Heidi, would you like to address the question? Where you go? Oh, I'm here. <laughs> I see you now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, um, I don't know if you really meant to address it right now or just <laughs> have people call you, but um, I think that that's what... Um, you know, what the, this chapter is, like part of the job of this chapter is to, you know, let us know that it's, it's not our fault, right? And um, I think that um, my experience has just been that when I, um, when I'm honest with people, um, I just get so much more out of, to, I just get more than, than I thought I would, you know, I think my shame comes in and I don't want to share with people and I want to hide. Um, but when I'm actually honest and, um, and talk to people, it just, um, 
it just it, it lifts everything it lifts it helps me to just move past like whatever I'm in um so I guess all you know all I would say is just you know keep talking to people and um just try to be just be honest there there's no one has ever said to me like oh my god I can't believe you did that um no one's room said it. everyone has just been like amazing and loving and, um and the second that I say these things out loud, I release it and I can get past it. So, thank you. Thank you, Heidi. And thank you, Josh. Um, Lisa, Lisa P. Hi there. Thank you, Lisa, compulsive reader in Portland. Heidi, I just heard you recently. This is great because you you gave a different story. <laughs> so, you know, little bits, but that's why that's why I keep coming to meetings. You know. Um, that's one of the reasons, actually. So you mentioned the surgery, um, it's a question. You mentioned the surgery, um, how the surgery, I don't, don't, I'm not quoting you because I can't really remember, but it was something like the surgery really messed you up. But it seemed like it was your disease that messed you up that, because I know all these people that, you know, they're in recovery and they had their surgery and it's like, I don't know, they're doing great. You know, they just, it was just a tool. And Luckily, OA has finally uh, have a statement, has a statement on bariatric surgery. So tell me, I mean, was it more your disease? Was it, I mean, give me the update. I mean, yes, I think it helped you vomit, which we're finding with certain surgeries. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my experience, I think, was driven by my disease because I, I wasn't relieved of the compulsion. And so I still continue to eat compulsively. Um, what I have learned is that even in abstinence and even as, you know, um, in trying to be careful, food still gets stuck and it's really unpleasant. Um, and, um, you know, so like overall, I haven't, you know, I didn't have a good experience with it, um, with this particular surgery. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that would have been true. I think it would have been true whether or not I had, you know, been abstinent or not. Um, but, um, but it was the fact that I couldn't stop eating that really like brought me to my knees and, and made it like a complete nightmare. Um, yeah. because I, I, it, it doesn't work when you're trying to binge <laughs> and you can't yeah. get enough food in your stomach. <laughs> Nothing works when I'm trying to binge. <laughs> So thanks again, Heidi. I'm going to stay on camera now. I don't have wet, dirty hands from dishes. Thank you, Lisa and Heidi. Okay, so right now, we'll, we will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions and shares. And would the Zoom host please stop the recording?